Oh, another thing. Um, are we saying cunt? I think we can say cunt. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> you guys are making a podcast. For this intro so in our in our second lockdown special episode we've thought hey people at home what they want is an escape from uh government enforced lockdown due to a pandemic um what could we talk about could we talk about unicorns could we talk about like our top three dragons um or should we talk about claustrophobic films? So this week on the podcast Nobody Asked For, we're talking about our top three claustrophobic movies. And the person that just gave the intro to this great uh, subject for this week's podcast is Ian Harris. And the person who just gave that intro to the person who just gave this intro is Graham Jones. So, nice. yeah, how's lockdown going for you, Graham? Everything well over in your locked down house? Yeah, it's... Um... Yeah, it's pretty shit, to be honest. It's- <laughs> I, think, I, I think that's the perfect answer. Just like, yeah. Yeah, it's, I don't think, the, the big difference for me is like the whole, like there's a lot of things that we now can't do. So one of my main things was going to the gym or us meeting up and doing the podcast. Whereas now it's just like my existence is me and the dog now <laughs> and not seeing anyone else really. But um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, good fun. I get out of bed. I come into the office, then I go into the living room. That's, that's the day. There's only yeah. what is good though is I've being late to the party. I've discovered that Modern Family was a thing. Oh, Modern Family is great. I like yeah, Modern I, Family I, a lot. I don't know why. Like I, I think I thought it was a different program. Like I think I saw a sitcom I didn't like and thought it was Modern Family, so never watched Modern Family. Right. And we've just rediscovered it. So, oh, I've just discovered it, and we've been. Um, I sounded like fucking just a shitty explorer. Like, I have just discovered Modern Family. <laughs> like modern Family's been around for ages. I have just discovered Modern Family. It's lockdown is good for discovering shows, I think. Yes, I've been watching um, Barry, the I've heard, I've heard incredible HBO things comedy. about that. Um, so good. If we're going for single-named TV shows, Des is supposed to be really good. It's, I haven't seen uh, that. David Tennant is a serial killer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Based on a real a true story, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Black Sails is a good one. That's on Amazon Prime with pirates. But That's not a single word. It's not, but it, I just bring in Black Sails whenever we can. It's great. Pirates, yeah. Charles Vane. But, uh, nice. We, 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 we seem to be recommending things, so I think it's a good time to move on to our, uh, our now traditional movie recommendation that nobody asked for. Lovely little segue there. Um, I think it's my turn this week. It is your turn. Whilst the podcast itself this week is talking about claustrophobic films films that are really quite insular make you feel quite claustrophobic uncomfortable i thought let's have an alternative here let's talk about something that is massively expansive and what is more expansive than a multiverse so i'm going to go with into the spider-verse i know it's does it's not part of the mcu but it's definitely my favorite marvel movie because it is just Phenomenal. I, th- I think it's one of my favourite films. One of my favourite animated films. One of my favourite superhero films. It's just yeah, the mix of styles. Nicolas Cage is in it. I mean, as <laughs> his, um, all of, as like all a, of the tick boxes. He's like a film noir with spider, spider noir, noir, right? Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah, it's just so I it's so good. I I paid money to watch it at the cinema four times. Do you know who created the Japanese so the uh Japanese girl Spider-Man? Uh, the one with the robot. Yeah, yeah, I know who you um, mean. Yeah. Jared Way. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. Apparently he was in uh he was he wrote the comic she appeared in or something. Nice. Yeah. Fair enough. Fuck, I love that film. Um yeah, so good. The soundtrack as well unbelievable there is a scene in it where with the the train and there's a video of them composing it so it's called catch the s train they are watching the scene and literally mixing it to what's happening oh, wow like it's just it's phenomenal that's that's my recommendation for this week if that doesn't tick all the boxes if you've maybe seen it f- four times I, already I was, I was gonna say not 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 everyone likes animated films, so it's probably best to go for something else. Yeah, and so my second choice this week, also, you know, it's definitely not claustrophobic. It's all out in the open, huge open spaces, bright, dazzling sun sunlight. Even the uh, sleeping quarters are massive and you're, you know, sharing it with lots of your friends. <laughs> and um, that film is Midsummer. Oh, Midsummer. Um, Who, who's in Midsummer? Midsummer. Um, well, you've got uh, Chidi from the the Good Place, no, that's, um, which is that's his, his real name. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's and abs, obviously abs for days. Abs for abs for days. Um, and obviously the the incredible Instagram um, chef that is Florence Pugh. So yeah, uh, if you want, if if Spider Man in Spider Verse isn't ticking all the boxes, then go watch midsummer let's let's go with the director's cut of midsummer as well oh, um, just, just because actually mixing shit up i like it yeah well you know i think it's not only you know if we want to be expansive let's add an extra 20 minutes to yeah, the film yeah. no i like it so that's our movie recommendations nobody asked for and now we're on to our uh, top claustrophobic movies and i believe i am starting yes you are sir my first choice then, and I want to get this out of the way as quickly as possible, is The Descent. So it was a film from 2005. It was by Neil Marshall, who also did like Dog Soldiers and Doomsday. Um, Doomsday is basically uh, Scotland becomes a hotbed of disease and pestilence. I thought you so were we- saying Doomsday it's basically scotland <laughs> but they um they reman hadrian's wall and it is all kind of like mad max escape to new york kind of shit that sounds it's, amazing yeah you know it is what it is and it's the kind of film where i was convinced kate beckinsale was in it but i watched a trailer today and it wasn't her so you know that's always good to know she was probably busy um, doing tiptoes probably you know it was a role of a lifetime <laughs> so the descent is about something uh pastime or hobby or whatever you want to call it, which I can't quite wrap my head around. What I don't like about this is that it has such like a whimsical name for something (laughs) which is so deeply horrifying and anxiety inducing. And that is spelunking. Spelunking is one of the best words, I think, in the English language. I mean, it sounds, it does sound a little bit sexual as well. Yeah, I, I have no idea like what the difference between, or even if there is a difference between spelunking and caving, but I'm going to say spelunking the whole time. Where does, where does potholing fall into all of this? Um, tomato, tomato. Fair enough. Like, I, I, I hadn't heard, like, I feel like spelunking only became 
So I think I think spelunking is, as you can tell, I've done my research. Uh, <laughs> I think spelunking is more caves. Potholes could be a bit. Potholing could be a bit it's more of a man-made kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> so the descent is about a group of women who, a year after one of them loses their husband and daughter in a car crash, decide to reconnect by going spelunking. And they go off the beaten track, they dive into these caves, and then accidents happen. And it turns out in these caves live. So the director said they were basically cavemen who evolved underground. So they're these kind of, to be fair, quite terrifying (laughs) creatures called crawlers that are blind and go off of uh, kind of sound and all of that stuff. And it, it is a really freaky film, but... Those monsters don't appear until 49, 50 minutes into an hour and a half film. And arguably, the first half of the film is more terrifying, which is just them spelunking. <laughs> How many times are you going to say, say spelunking? I'm going to say spelunking as often as I can. <laughs> but spelunking alone, <laughs> just think... Just Actually, spelunking alone is something you should never do. You should always have friends when you oh, spelunk. No. Fucked up. Um, <laughs> I fucked <okay>? up my <laughs> headphones by laughing too much. So, yeah. So spelunking is exploring caves and you end up going down like really, really narrow kind of passages and tunnels and things like that. So the first half of the descent made me so anxious just watching this. So there's hardly any natural light in the whole film. It's all taking place underground. You see these tight tunnels with these people kind of crawling through them. And I did some research on this by Googling spelunking incidents. So that's uh, (laughs) spelunking again. And I came across this quote. He tried to exhale the air in his chest so that he could fit through a space that was barely 10 inches across and 18 inches high, and then ended up being trapped 400 metres into a cave 100 feet underground. But why? So the, the passage was so small, this guy could only move by inhaling and exhaling air out of his lungs. Like a caterpillar. That's not cool. Yeah, that's not cool. Why would you do that? And why would you call that spelunking? It sounds horrific. The only thing I think is worse than spelunking is people that do like that cave cave diving stuff, which is basically spelunking underwater. Yeah, no, I, I think that is a form of spelunk. <laughs> Obviously, the film is claustrophobic because it is these people underground for the entire film in cave systems something which was uh, so kind of dangerous that they had to build sets obviously they didn't film this in a a real cave or anything but it made me feel so uneasy the entire way through the film it's shot in a very like i said there torches will regularly go out so you just kind of it's just darkness it's shot in a way that really kind of captures like i said like the crawling through tunnels and all of that horrifying anxiety inducing bullshit and then it turns out you're stuck in this cave with monsters which kind of you know is more claustrophobic on top of that but i don't understand spelunking no i I (laughs) I feel like there is like there's a lot of things that i don't i wouldn't want to do but i understand why people might be into it so things like base jumping and all that kind of stuff fair enough whatever. I can't wrap my head around why you'd think, oh, you know what? So 400 feet underground, there's this tiny tunnel, which is actually smaller than me. And what I'm going to do is crawl through it because like, you're going you're gonna to get stuck. <laughs> yeah, and if you do get stuck, you're fucked. 
I feel because there like... are these monsters that live in caves. <laughs> I, f- I feel like the type of people that do this are similar to the. I don't know if you've seen um, Free Solo. Yes. But the guy in Free Solo obviously is does you know in insane is free climbing and stuff, and they they basically figure out from an MRI that he doesn't have an a, amygdala response to fear, and I feel like that's the only way that you could get into something like spelunking as well because it's just like I feel anxious talking about it. Yeah, no, exactly. And it's the the very premise of the setting of this film is anxiety and claustrophobic enough. Like, the film could have just been them spelunking and then they get out of the cave, and I still would have put this on this list, let alone without the added benefit of, you know, underground cave-dwelling monstery things. But it's a really good film. And like I said, it, it's... Very well done. Um, so it was one of kind of, I think it was Neil Marshall's follow up to Dog Soldiers. Mm. Yeah, it's just fucked. There's no other way really to describe it. Like it's, it is horrifying. It's gory. It leaves you, or at least left me feeling anxious throughout the whole fucking film. It, it could have been talked about on last week's sequel episode mm-hmm. because there are two endings to the film. There was the UK ending, which was really, really bleak. And apparently that wouldn't cut it in America. <laughs> so not not to go into too many details, but the end of the UK film, uh, the UK cut of the film, they're fucked. Right. Um, the US film, the main character escapes. Like that's as far, far removed from what was clearly supposed to be the tone of the movie. And then they did a sequel that was based off of the US like happy ending. Right, And I, I think, I, I'm not sure if it was a director or producer was on record as saying like, well, just because you survive doesn't mean it's a happy ending. It's like, well, true, but it's definitely a happier ending. But, you know, you still but did go she's, spelunking. I'm assuming she's going spelunking again, despite what she's endured. So I, I, I think in the sequel, she has amnesia. Of course. Um, and the police think she's to blame for her friends that have disappeared. So take okay. her back to the cave to retrace things. So they don't believe her that there's these monsters or she doesn't know. I haven't seen the sequel because to me, the film ends with the UK ending and it's because I love, I like bleak endings. I don't like spelunking. One of my main notes on this is just fuck this shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the scariest parts of the film for me was literally just them spelunking. <laughs> and I can't can't advise yeah i can't advise anyone to google spelunking or spelunking incidents or read about because also like all of these caves have like pirate names like really weird things oh oh so we're gonna go down like dead man's corner (laughs) They, they either seem to be like overly ominous you're going to die names or like nutty putty cavern (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I'd go to Nutty Putty Cavern. That sounds like yeah, a great yeah. time. Yeah, so Nutty Putty Cavern is where that quote came from, and this guy just, he died. Okay, fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> fuck Nutty Putty Cavern. Like, he tried to he tried to crawl down what was called, he thought he was crawling down the birth canal, but he'd got the wrong one and ended up getting stuck. But it's, oh, <laughs> it just make it, it's, I feel the walls closing on me just thinking, like, because you can't, like, there's there's no give. There's, there's nothing like, and the thought of like getting stuck there 
Like, how do you... There's no way out, basically. Yeah, but like, you couldn't even, just to, just to go really positive on this uh, podcast, obviously if you were in that situation and knew you were going to slowly, like, slowly die over the course of days, or if you're stuck upside down, which sometimes people are in these stories, your heart will give out because it's... Um, Working uh, too exerting hard. too much, yeah. So you would want to, you would probably just think, you know what, guys, I've had a good run. Let's just draw a line under this now. Like, you couldn't. No. <laughs> like, if you, there's stories of someone who, like, they'll have one arm stuck up here and one arm stuck down there, and they can't move. It, it's fucking horrifying. And it, it's, yeah, lockdown. Spelunk. <laughs> also, you'd, you'd only be able to, if one arm was stuck up and one arm was stuck down, your, your semaphore would be really restricted. <laughs> yeah, and how do you call for help? Exactly. Yeah, I I, really, I I haven't talked about the film a lot, but it, it's no. I, I, yeah, I think it's 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 a horror film where the most horrifying thing is the setup, and that isn't detracting from how good the last part of the film is. Yeah, like the last half of the film is really like the pace is there, the creature design is great. It is it is a brilliant horror movie, but for me, it just can't be as terrifying as just the very concept of why they've gone to the cave. It's <laughs> oh fuck me, but yeah, that it, it's. I, I, I rewatched this today in anticipation of this podcast, not just because of sheer luck or anything. I got halfway through and it was like, oh, this is why I put off rewatching this film. <laughs> yeah. My resting heart rate was, you know, obviously haven't been to the gym in a bit, in a bit because of everything that's going on. And it is the highest my heart rate has been for a long fucking time. Yeah, I, I've not seen it, but I, I definitely want to off the back of this. And also something else that I definitely want is uh, when you edit this, I want a, a Spelunk count as well, please. Do you want a Spelunk count or a Spelunk supercut? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, the Spelunk supercut is is for the the promo. And then maybe there's just a little, like a ding, like a little Spelunk ding. A little Spelunk ding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, And yeah, to any of... Any of our listeners out there who enjoy a good spelunk, please, you know, go to our Instagram at the podcast nobody asked for and just tell me why. Spelunk. On to my first choice. Disappointing lack of spelunking in my movie, unfortunately. But ooh, I wonder if you could go spelunking here. So we are going to the moon for 2009's moon. Are there, are there caves on the moon? Are there? Yeah. I. Pff, there's big... Craters. I mean, I've not been, uh, so I'm not I'm not entirely sure. Uh, well, we'll, we'll, we'll put a, we'll put a pin in that one. Well, yeah, <laughs> but I mean, oh, spelunking in low gravity. I guess maybe it would help you get out easier. I guess, yeah. Anyway, Moon is a fantastic film. <laughs> Came out in 2009, directed by Duncan Jones, who literally today I learned was David Bowie's son. You and didn't I know have, that. I had I have no idea how I didn't know this, but because he's um he owns at. I, I reserve the right to edit this entire section out if I'm wrong. But he either owns the right to David Bowie's music or is allowed to kind of veto the use of it in things, which is why okay. Starman doesn't actually have any Bowie music in. Stardust. Is it Stardust? Stardust. Yeah. Doesn't have any, yeah. I, I always think it isn't Stardust because there's already a film called Stardust and it's brilliant and it is distinctly not about David Bowie. Yeah, um, and I mean, I watched the trailer and it looks dreadful. Um, I was so disappointed when Mark Maron turned up in it. Yeah, I, I, same. I, re- like I you, really like. You make I, yeah. good career choices normally, Mark. What I, is I, going re- on? I really like Mark Maron. As soon as he was in it, just like, oh, Mark. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, we're digressing. Um, 
So moon. So we're, we're talking about spelunking, right? <laughs> <laughs> spelunking on the moon with Sam Rockwell. So yeah, Sam Rockwell is the the main character and kind of just about the only character for most of the film. He plays a guy called Sam who he's been on the moon for three years. He's on a helium three mining mission um and it's basically mostly um is that why there's low gravity on the moon because of all the helium <laughs> helium three yeah so yeah sam 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 rockwell plays sam he's on the moon he's on this mining mission the reason it only needs him is because they've basically automated the procedure that all it needs is one person to, to kind of do it his only companion is um Gertie, who is voiced by Kevin Spacey, and um, probably not who you want to be stuck on the moon with. Although the whole like Gertie thing is clearly like quite a cool homage to Hal in 2001. But yeah, he's his communication to Earth gets cut off, so he's kind of got these recorded messages from his wife that drop every so often. And then things kind of he's got about two weeks to go till he's meant to be coming back from his three-year mission, and things start to go a little bit weird he starts having these hallucinations and then ends up he he kind of has a he's involved in a crash in one of these moon landers and then you see the crash and everything he wakes up doesn't remember it happening but he then goes out and finds the wreckage and inside the wreckage is like his own doppelganger yeah and that doppelganger is the moon (laughs) a man made out of cheese i'd watch that but yeah so it's and it, I guess it kind of essentially turns out that there's this sort of constant stream of clones and their reality is essentially manufactured. It's such a good film. I think it's really underrated and I don't think enough people have seen it. Sam Rockwell is just I think Sam Rockwell is amazing and I don't think I've seen him in a bad movie. I mean, I think we were talking only the other day about how he was kind of underused in Iron Man he's, 2. He has he's never been bad in a movie. No, no, he's been in bad movies, but he's never been yeah. bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like I I th- he was great in um Seven Psychopaths as well. Oh god, yeah. But yeah, so I kind of feel like Moon is quite claustrophobic in a few ways. So obviously like you've got the setting it's all in this sort of moon base and there is no escape you've been cut off from communication you've literally just got this ai that's kind of the one thing keeping you company and is kevin spacey Spacey. so you've kind of got this yeah absolute isolation and then add to this that you kind of realize that everything you think your life is your daughter your wife doesn't really exist and is essentially manufactured and your whole existence is determined it's kind of like it's claustrophobic in one way that you've got the setting and there's no way to get home but then you're also kind of trapped inside a reality that isn't yours which almost feels even more claustrophobic a bit of moon philosophy for you though (laughs) plato socrates moon i think as well it kind of gets to a point that the setting itself it kind of feels like it's also a character in the movie it's constantly kind of closing in around sam um i was reading an article on on taste of cinema and they put it really well and they're saying that it kind of it really creates this sort of suffocating sense of dread which kind of that's kind of the arc that this goes in right it doesn't start off necessarily happy but it starts off you know it's hopeful he's coming home yeah yeah and then it's everything is just kind of closing in on himself and reality itself is fucked basically so it's like if you were spelunking and there was light at the end of the tunnel (laughs) absolutely um (laughs) 
Are you going to get spelunking into every one of these six films? Oh, every one of these fucking episodes moving <laughs> forward, I think. So yeah, I mean, yeah, Mew, uh, Moon is fantastic. You've got the kind of... I haven't seen it yet, but Mute is this sort of spiritual sequel. Mute was... It wasn't as bad as people... Like, it got properly, like, ripped apart mm. by people when it came out. Um, it's nowhere near as bad as people said, but it's also the kind of film where you immediately start forgetting details as soon as you finished watching it. Yeah. Like, it's very unfortunately average, which seems to be a running trend of Duncan Jones' work after Moon. Um, yeah, so I, I haven't seen which it. Which is a shame, because he's, 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 like, Duncan Jones is clearly a very, very talented filmmaker. He, ju- he just either hasn't made the right, right project choices <laughs> afterwards. Uh, <laughs> either hasn't made the right project choices or I, I don't know it, it's a tough one because he also did uh, Warcraft yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> but also they're interestingly they're kind of completing this trilogy with a um, graphic novel as well called Maddie Once Upon a Time in the Future which I think is always interesting when films go into different mediums like so Fight Club 2 is a graphic novel after the film which is, is quite fun uh, after the book the book yeah book and film and then the graphic novel I do like that because uh, Chuck Power knew it so the writer of Fight Club said he wishes he'd written the film ending. Yeah, yeah. It's the, it's the only time I can think of that really ha- having happened. Of a writer just like, oh shit, the film actually <laughs> that was nailed better, this. right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, his, his books are fucking weird. But anyway, that's that's a whole other... Reading University Alumni. That, that would be our book <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Nice, like it. But yeah, so that's 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 it. It's as I said, it's a great film, and I just feel that it's it's claustrophobic in the very real sense that he is stuck on the moon base. But then all of these other elements come into it that you kind of just feel trapped and trapped and trapped to a point where you know reality isn't even reality anymore, and that's kind of fucked. So yeah, pretty claustrophobic. <laughs> We go from Moon, which was a very good film, to a film which was described as instant junk when it came out, and the most hated film of all time by film magazine Cinefastique. (laughs) Um, And that is 1982's The Thing, which weirdly is one of the best films ever made. Oh, it's so good. I don't think, I can't think of many films which have had kind of like the, this is, I think, where the term kind of video fan base came from. Mm. Like it, it properly took off uh, kind of from like the home release side of things and became a proper cult classic and people realised the very intelligent film it was because you it uh, came out the same year as like E.T. and <laughs> it was a very successful sci-fi year and E.T. is obviously very optimistic and then you follow up with the thing where the overriding <laughs> principle is we're probably all going to die. Yeah, and don't trust so, anyone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But Kurt Russell's beard. So, yeah, you know... Not sure what the point was there. I just wanted to get Kurt Russell's bearded as early as possible. So <laughs> the thing is set in Antarctica in a US uh, kind of research base. And it follows these group of researchers basically slowly being picked apart by an alien from outer space. So the alien can replicate anybody it comes across. So if it sees four dogs, it can kill them and then become four separate dogs. Or one giant welded together dog (laughs) yeah (laughs) Um, if you know if the thing took kind of me over you could cut off my arm and my arm would become a separate entity that kind of runs off 
Um, there's a very famous scene in the film where they're taking blood tests and then they heat the blood up and the mm-hmm. blood of the thing tries to run away and it's fucking amazing. So you don't know who is the thing, who isn't the thing. It's not even a case of like one person could be it. Everybody could be it. Not only are you stuck in an Antarctic research base, which is kind of claustrophobia inducing enough as it is, you're also stuck not being able to trust anybody around you and with an alien trying to kind of get to you. And the film does a very good job, I think, of showing how bottled up everyone is. So whenever they go outside, you know, it's always snowing or it's dark and the research base is kind of very kind of grey and dreary as well. And then, yeah, the whole idea that the whole film is just paranoia on top of paranoia when they're trying to figure out who's the thing, who they haven't seen in a while, um, kind of all led by Kurt Russell and his magnificent beard. So it's a John Carpenter film, so you know it's going to be... I think he did this just after Escape to New York. He's just a very good director who had a very good kind of attention to design as well. So the thing and the practical effects used in it are some of the best, I think, committed to film. Yeah. We, we mentioned it on a previous episode, I think. Yeah, where... I think it's it's the it's the gold standard. If you're talking about yeah. practical effects that absolutely hold up today, like it, it is, they, they're just so good. Even the ones that are just like the whole like spider head thing, which is- Oh, so cool. It's like, it's it's completely kind of ridiculous, but also the way they've done it actually looks- I say like it holds up it looks realistic because it's it's inverted commas real yeah yeah it's actually there the the crazy thing with it is so there's a prequel to the thing that came out early 2010s I think rather confusingly called the thing (laughs) and that's obviously got a lot of CGI in and that looks more dated than the thing does and that was released 30 years before Mm The prequel wasn't there a there was a pretty good N sixty four game as well wasn't there with the thing I'm not sure if it was N sixty four or PS two but yeah there was there was a re- it was a really fun game yeah. actually because um, you could do blood like you weren't supposed to know again who the thing was so you would do kind of blood tests and it kind of got all the military involved it, it's just such a such a brilliant film similar to kind of what you said with um, claust- claustrophobia isn't just being stuck in a place it's being stuck with you know of other things as well yeah with the thing you are a hundred percent trapped with paranoia it's like you said it's not you're it's you're basically alone because you can't trust anyone mm-hmm. so the the even uh the kind of the climactic scene at the end is two of them sitting there and we as the audience you don't know kind of who's the thing either it's kept from you too you definitely feel like the walls are the very, very cold walls are closing in on you throughout the whole fucking film. Well, I feel like isn't it, there's even parts of it where you feel like people are questioning, even if they themselves are the thing, right? Like there's, it's so it strikes that much paranoia that they're like not necessarily convinced that. So what was interesting was so apparently the actors asked the director like if they were if they knew if they were the thing, right? Um, so the actors would talk. It's like, do you think you're the thing in this scene? And they wouldn't know, and the director wouldn't tell them. Right. That, that's a really interesting thing. And you'd have some scenes where people might be acting as if they're not belonging, but they aren't necessarily the thing. And you'd also have people who could be the thing in that scene acting like they're kind of normal. Like mm-hmm. the, the whole the whole point is that if it breaks out of this research base and gets to the mainland, it could take over the world in, you know, like a matter of months. Just kind of uh What's the word I'm looking for here? Don't know. Exponentially spread. 
exponentially grow. That's the one. I just grow really fast. <laughs> um, but so they need to stop it. So again, you're not not only are you stuck in this research space, but you have to stay there trying to stop this thing from breaking out. And for me, that is very, very claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. But you're stuck with Kurt Russell's bid. So that's a thing. There's also a scene where um, they find... So one of the guys who is the thing has been building like a small flying saucer mm-hmm. um, in a cave. So they minorly spelunk down to the cave <laughs> to see the uh, flying saucer. Fuck's sake. It's so fucking weird. Ah. Uh, there's also some great like map paintings. I could talk about this film for hours, but I'm not going to. It's, it's just in, in the context of this is the kind of film where I am going to be bringing this up on other lists as well. So I'm just going to focus on the claustrophobic side of things. So it's very claustrophobic in Antarctica when you can't leave and you're stuck in there with an alien. I, I came to it quite late. I think I saw it the first time a few, probably about three or four years ago. And yeah, really, really enjoyed it. And then it was on last year I went, uh, so the Prince Charles watched uh, Halloween all night. So it was six movies back to back starting about 9 PM. And I think the thing came on at about 6 AM. So like you're doing your best. You're f- oh, that's a fucked up film to have to watch <laughs> sleep deprived. Yeah. And you're flagging at 6 AM. And I think it was, I think the last two movies were the thing. And then the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the, the original one, the original one. Yeah. Yeah. But 6 AM. Yeah. You're flagging a bit. You obviously, you grabs coffee but the thing is so good that there was not a single chance that I was even going to drift off for a second yeah. because I was just glued to it. And seeing it on the big screen as well was fantastic. I watched it arguably too young. <laughs> my my dad basically had a short Did list of films. take you into that... the wrong... <laughs> you went to go see Toy Story. <laughs> but it was actually a thing. <laughs> no, so this was one we rented from... Um, we rented it on video, I believe, and watched it. Whenever I was sick, my dad would basically wait until my mum had left and then just go and pick up like Predator or Alien or something. We would rent out films, which I was categorically told not to tell my mum I watched. Excellent. And that explains a lot about the person I am now. My second choice for claustrophobic film is, it's not only very claustrophobic, but also pretty, pretty depressing. It is 2015's Room. Um, not to be confused with the room. Oh, you beat me to the joke. <laughs> one of the very few jokes we can make about room. Absolutely, but also weirdly, like if you ever say to someone, "Have you seen the room?" They always think you're talking about room. Oh yeah. No, when, when I when I when I've told people I'm interested in going to a midnight screening of the room, <laughs> they're like, "What? Well, like the Brie Larson film?" It's like, no. Why would they do midnight screenings of that? Quote along. <laughs> Just throwing stuff at the screen when she escapes and yeah. things like that. You bring your own carpet to roll. <laughs> Which makes, a, a rolled carpet makes a very, like, it would be like you were spelunking trying to. <laughs> oh, you motherfucker. Yep. See, I, I got I got the reference in before we went into details and the plot of what the film is about. <laughs> now I don't seem as much of a prick as I would have. No, I mean, I think at least... People who know you listening to this know you're a prick anyway, so... Yeah, that's fair. 
Um, so yeah I also edit I also edit this podcast so <laughs> I'm just going to drop in that you're a prick throughout so yeah Room pretty depressing film stars Brie Larson as you alluded to it's the role that won her an Oscar um, I think it really put her on the map I mean she'd been doing oh, right, right, rightly so as well she was, she was incredible oh yeah so good I, I first saw her in United States of Tara which was a I think Showtime TV series with Tony Collette in it as played her mum who had oh, oh. sort of split personality disorder and it was all about how her family were dealing with it. It's kind of like a drama comedy thing. But um, I mean, the, the first thing I probably saw her in was Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, fantastic in Scott Pilgrim. She's, so. she's one of many superheroes who are in that film. But yeah, this was really, I think at least the first time I'd seen her in like a really kind of dramatic turn. Um, and as you mentioned, she did a very, very good job of it. She obviously won the Best Actress um, Oscar for it. So the movie focuses on Brie Larson as Ma and her son Jack, and they've been held captive by Old Nick. Old Nick is a horrific individual. and He's a rapist, Graham. Just say rapist. He, he is. Ma, Ma has been held captive for seven years. Jack is five years old. He was born in the room. Their existence and all that Jack has ever known is the room that they're kept in. It's, it's all kinds of fucked up. Yeah, I think the, the real thing, obviously, like the space that they're in throughout the movie is tiny it is literally a room with no uh you've got a door no windows i mean even the set itself was that all of the stuff in the room was filled and was only 11 foot by 11 foot and there's talk of like the director having to like lay down in the bath to like be out of some of the shots but whilst also still directing does take place in this really obviously quite small and, and claustrophobic set but i think the other thing that really brings it home is that this is this is all that jack has ever known like he has no concept of the outside world there's a scene where brie larson's character is kind of explaining to him all of these things that exist in the world and he just he can't even he it's just disbelief like he, he can't comprehend it and i think that's i don't know it, it, it adds an extra element of this because not only is it a small place and it is it is very claustrophobic but it is literally Jack's entire universe right he knows nothing else um, other than this tiny space but also as kind of a viewer watching it as well it's also everything that the room stands for as well yeah the more you think about it the more you feel the walls kind of closing in and everything like that it's just it's fucking horrible it's a difficult watch it really is a difficult watch and it reminds it's not exactly the same kind of story but it reminds me quite a lot of um, there's a famous uh, psychological case study of a girl named Jeannie. So she was basically her dad didn't want any kids, ended up having four of them, killed three of them. No, it's killed two of them by like literally just leaving them in the garage and awful story. She was left basically chained to a bed for like 11 years of her life. And there's a famous case study about how it impacted her development and stuff like that. And it, it really reminded, I mean, obviously that's even worse because it's true. It really reminded me of the impact that this was having on Jack as a, as a child. And he obviously had the benefit of his mum being there. And so kind of at least being able to be nurtured as much as you can be in this scenario. This is an upbeat 
podcast. <laughs> yeah, I've gone back to episode two, haven't I? <laughs> yeah. It's claustrophobic in the sense of, you know, the setting and everything, but even more so in the sense that that setting is is this kid's entire world. And yeah. you know, even to the point when they eventually do escape, he wants to go back. And they do, they take him back there and he, he kind of comments on it, like how it feels like the room has shrunk and it's smaller. Do, is that a different set when they go back to it? I'm not sure. I didn't see anything that said it was different but it it could be because that 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 scene it really does look tiny yeah so i i'm I'm not sure if they made it smaller for symbolism and everything like that like or if it was (laughs) literally just because you're finally looking at it from outside the door it does look a lot kind of smaller yeah and yeah, you know, it, but it makes sense, right? Like you've, as as Jack at least, you've never experienced anything bigger. You've now gone out into the wide world. You've seen everything, and then going back in comparison, it will feel even smaller, I guess. But yeah, I'm not sure what they did with the with the set itself. Brie Larson sort of went full Daniel Day Lewis with this one as well. She um, isolated herself at home for a month with no phone or internet, and followed like a really like restricted diet. So not only is the film claustrophobic not only is the set claustrophobic but even the prep for the movie was claustrophobic well imagine having to stay at home <laughs> yeah can you imagine at least we've got internet yeah true or well, barely <laughs> <laughs> let's just say i don't want a uh, virgin internet to be sponsors of this podcast oh no i've i also have virgin internet and they suck can't get hold of them on the phone either i, I had one of their customer reps imply i was stupid and by imply i mean basically saying <laughs> i'm not stupid groom um because i don't know how to say exponential growth <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, continue. It's an incredible film. It's a very somber and depressing film, but ultimately it fits the bill of being extremely claustrophobic in a number of ways, hence it being on the list. My final choice then stars the... Uh, did you ever watch Two Guys, A Girl in a Pizza Place? Yes, of course I did. Yeah, like so Ryan Reynolds and Nathan Fillion, but lanky, back before... Ryan Reynolds got hench. Yeah, and also for, it was originally called Two Guys, a Girl and Pete's Place and then after a couple of series became Two Guys and a Girl. Yeah, 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 exactly. So Ryan Reynolds went from lanky sitcom star through um, a series of kind of romantic teen comedies. Um, so like Definitely Maybe and The Proposal and Waiting and all of that shit. He did Smoking Aces, which was kind of cool. That was fun, yeah. He also did one of the many remakes of the Amityville Horror, mm-hmm. um, where he was unnecessarily muscular. Like, I think he'd just come off of like Blade Trinity or something. So he was like the American everyman dad, but he had like 0% body fat. So how do you follow up a career where you've done a series of romantic teen comedies and a couple of kind of out there action films? It's being... Buried alive for an hour and a half. So my final choice is 2010's Buried. And it is literally Ryan Reynolds in a coffin for an hour and a half. The whole film, like, quite impressively doesn't repeat a shot through the entire film. But it doesn't leave the coffin. So the only people in the film apart from Ryan Reynolds are voices. He plays a truck driver who is working in Iraq. Um, He gets captured buried alive with a phone and basically being held for ransom. He's only got kind of a couple of things. So I think he's got like a glow stick. He's got a lighter uh, phone. So he's calling people kind of like, I think his wife, um, the agent who's assigned to try to kind of investigate where he is and things like that. Um, And yeah, 
I mean, can I just leave? We'll just have a very short section. I'll say Ryan Reynolds being buried alive. There isn't much more to explain that choice. No, there's... It's. I mean, it's great product placement for BlackBerry. I feel like it was kind of like an an hour and a half <laughs> ad for how yeah how one you should have a BlackBerry and two that regardless of whether you're buried six feet underground, you still get reception on your BlackBerry. It, it's an it's an incredible film. I I was really really surprised when I watched it because I was like, I was always expecting it's going to cut off somewhere. There's going to be other stories. It will keep coming back to this, but you yeah, know, there's going yeah, to be more to it. Or it will be like um, 128 hours where it's like the actual story. Oh, fuck it. 127 <laughs> hours where that extra hour would have been, that would have just been too much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but like that, where there's a lot of flash, you know, that's not the, yeah, it's what's yeah. happening now, but it's about how we got there and things, but nope. Coffin for an hour and a half. Yeah. It's it takes a very I think kind of special kind of film to hold your attention like that. So I can't think of many. There's Lock, the Tom Hardy film, where it's just him in a car. But I thought Buried was a better choice because one, Ryan Reynolds isn't doing a shit Welsh accent talking about concrete the whole way, <laughs> and two, he's literally buried alive. Yeah. Seriously though, Tom Hardy's Welsh accent was horrible. I haven't seen it. We're gonna we're gonna pour the concrete. <laughs> it's going to change the water table. I mean, is, uh, yeah, I buried is is a great choice, and as basically, so one of my choices was going to be Kill Bill two for the buried alive scene. But yeah, obviously, this is basically the Kill Bill two scene, but for Brilliant. the entire film. <laughs> to build on kind of a, a point you made with Room, so they filmed. They filmed it in sequence, mm. and during the last scene, so the the coffin's basically slowly filling with sand, and towards the end, Ryan Reynolds was seriously suffering with claustrophobia because he was in a coffin that was mostly filled with sand, and there was a part during the climactic scene where he is buried with sand, and they did that, and they had to have like paramedics on standby and stuff like that. Yeah, fuck that. So, yeah, so like I I, <laughs> I get the whole idea of like Brie Larson being stuck at home for a month, being claustrophobic. But Ryan Reynolds got buried alive <laughs> for he, a film. He, he, earned, <laughs> he earned his paycheck on that one. Oh, 100%. But it, it, it's it's an incredible film. Like it, it, I think what should go on the poster is my mum walked into this film when I was watching it, and there was about half an hour left, and she sat and watched the whole thing and then got borderline emotional at the end. <laughs> like, it's, And this isn't, this isn't her kind of room. She loves Room. I remember mum telling me about the book of that, and it sounded like the most depressing thing ever. <laughs> but, yeah, but Buried is its so captivating that even if you walk in halfway through the film, it just completely kind of grips you. Like you're, you're completely bought into this weirdly muscular truck driver in Iraq. The story it, it is yeah, it, it, it's just incredibly dumb, but I, I can't watch it again. I'd like to watch it again. Yeah, you, you don't get more claustrophobic than physically being buried alive. And not only was the character buried alive, but Ryan Reynolds was buried alive while making the film. The whole thing just makes me, I think, like, up there with spelunking. It's one of, <laughs> like, those... It just seems to be, like, a deep intrinsic fear of a lot of people is being buried alive. Like, I yeah. can't... I, <laughs> I think there's a lot of people for her... For a while, it went away because everyone thought they could do the Kill Bill, like, one-inch punch their way kind of through it. I mean, but... The Undertaker's been buried alive countless times and he's been fine. Oh, yeah, but he's the dead man. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's um, yeah, it's a tough watch. It's an incredible film. Like like I said, it, it's everything we've talked about so far has been very claustrophobic because that's the name of the episode. We're nailing um, it. But buried is the only one that has no exterior shots at all. Yeah. So the the entire film, and I can't stress that enough, is inside a coffin. Because isn't they, isn't the ending like you see the light coming? You you, you see light, and then it that's it, right? Um, because his eyes can't adjust to it, or so that's what I seem to remember. Um, so they open the coffin lid, yeah, and there's a bright light, but then it turns out that's an hallucination, and he's died. Okay. Yeah, I don't remember that bit. Yeah. Um, it turns out they'd opened, uh, they were guided to a coffin that was buried and it was another person who'd been kidnapped before him. Oh, okay. Um, but it was the guy that the agent had said they'd rescued. But yeah, it's, yeah. So there's no, no exterior shots. Every single scene of the film is in a coffin and fuck that. So my final claustrophobic movie is also about someone who gets... Spelunking? <laughs> no, no spelunking. Uh, um, okay. Also about someone who basically is held in a small space against their will, um, which is Ten Clover. You have, you have very niche interests. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're not... They, they, these are not my interests. Let's let's get that... <laughs> let's, let's just get that straight. But yeah, it's uh, Ten Cloverfield Lane. So it's the second film that's set in the Cloverfield universe. It's not how, how late into the day did they decide it was set in the Cloverfield universe? Uh, so it wasn't... We spoke about this on the previous podcast yeah. about movies that are written and not intended to be sequels, and this is one of them. Yeah. So it was a script that they had and then it was kind of crowbarred into the Cloverfield universe but I think in a quite an interesting way and it was yeah I think it was quite it's a, it's a departure from what the original Cloverfield was and for the majority of the film there's no real kind of direct nods to the original Cloverfield movie but yeah I think it's one of those ones where it was just like here's a script and then let's let's kind of make it fit. I mean, it's essentially like a really dark Kimmy Schmidt or <laughs> a feature length version of the bunker in Lost. It basically the whole thing takes place in John Goodman's Doomsday Bunker. <laughs> that sounds like a Christmas special. <laughs> <laughs> this year on John Goodman's Holiday Bunker, or just like a post-apocalyptic special on John Goodman's Doomsday oh, Bunker. I, I mean, let, let, let's be fair, here, shall we? I will watch anything John Goodman is in. Yeah. Like, he's, I, I think he's he's one of the most underrated actors working, which is weird because he's also so critically acclaimed, but I still don't feel like he's appreciated. Yeah, I think, I think, I think someone his... said he, he's the most prolific supporting actor. I was just about to say, like, some of his really great turns have been as, like, either supporting or cameo appearances particularly yeah. in like a lot of the Coen Brothers things like in Inside Llewellyn Davis his cameo in that is fantastic but yeah so I'd say it all takes place inside his his doomsday bunker so Mary Elizabeth Winstead also a Scott Pilgrim alumni um, yep. it, she and she's in a superhero movie actually so she's another one in Scott Pilgrim who's now been in a superhero movie. Which one? She's um, Birds of Prey. Oh, shit, yeah. yeah. Which is a great film. Love Birds of Prey. So I think it, it could, it's probably just Michael Cera who hasn't been in a superhero movie now. 
Um, anyway, I digress. Uh, apologies. So Ramona Flowers is in this film. Yeah, Ramona Flowers gets her car crashed into, um, and she basically wakes up in in John Goodman's Doomsday Bunker. He's basically telling her that he's saved her from the wreckage and also from this like nuclear fallout from an attack, which all seems really nice. But also, she wakes up chained to a pipe um so it's not kind of the most welcoming of scenarios that you want to be yeah, in after. it's not 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 ideal no and then it turns out there's there's another guy in the bunker and she's kind of saying to him like i think this is all a bit fucked up and he's like oh no like i saw the attack this happened i'm i'm here of my own volition then the two of them start to get more and more suspicious of John Goodman's character. There's like stories about his daughter that went missing and stuff, and they basically try and figure out a way to kind of get out. Also, there's a bit where she tries to escape as well, and as she gets to the door, sees a woman outside who's like manically trying to get into the bunker, and she's got all like lesions on her face and stuff. What's- so. What's cool is up until that moment, you don't know. Oh, spoilers. Um, Up until that moment, you aren't sure if John Goodman's telling the truth. Yeah. Uh, you don't know if it is something happening or if she's being held captive or if there is something happening and she's being saved or if there is something happening and she's being held captive. Yeah. It's it's a fascinating film because you, you have no idea what the fuck is happening. Yeah, it's 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 really clever. And also, yeah, the fact that, that Emmett, the other guy that's with her, is like... You know, I've you know he's kind of in on it, but as in like he's in on it because he's seen the attack and stuff. But yeah, then they try and escape together. Then it turns out that John Goodman isn't a really <laughs> he isn't a good man um, because he shoots hey. he shoots Emmett in the head, and um, yeah, so that obviously accelerates her want to. Uh... <laughs> I love I love how shooting Emmett in the head made you lose your train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you were mourning him again. Well, you know. <laughs> R.I.P. He was such a nice guy. He was an American idiot. He was. Yeah, after this has happened, it's obviously kind of, she wants to accelerate her her need to get out of the, the bunker. Eventually uses this acid to start an electrical fire and kind of blow the bunker up, killing John Goodman's character. She escapes, but... When she escapes, surprise, surprise, there's a big old alien spaceship there. So as you mentioned, like you kind of don't really know what's going on. But at the end of it, it's kind of like both things were true. John Goodman was a nutter, but also there is a big alien attack. Yeah, and that, that's like right at the end of the movie. But so rather than explaining the whole plot of the film. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you, just, you just explained the entire. It's like Graham's Balamori. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, it's not Balamori, it's Jack and Ori. Got my fucking kid shows mixed up, didn't I? What's Ballamore? Ballamore is the like the the multicolored Scottish town. <laughs> okay, I think. No idea. And then yeah. Anyway, I was I was I was. It was a vicious lampoon <laughs> because instead of talking about claustrophobia, you just talked through the film. Well, which is good. I was just I giving like a it. flavor of it. Also, no. you that's the <laughs> a flavor. That's that's the second time you've used lampoon correctly. So well done, you. Yes. Referencing previous episodes, so you, the listener, go back. Getting to the claustrophobic part. That's that's what happens. It is it is basically at the end of the film where everything's blown up and she's she's kind of out. It's the first time that anything is out in the open. From the entirety of the movie is set in this tiny bunker. It's obviously small, self-contained space, and I think as far as bunkers go, though. It's a nice fucking bunker. Oh, a, you know, he's he's I've, spent his money well. Claustrophobic, obviously, because it's a bunker, but 
All I'm saying is if I needed to build a doomsday bunker, that's the kind of doomsday bunker I'd want. Yeah, John Goodman's doomsday yeah. bunker. He, he, he's more than welcome to come and stay with me. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. A- actual John Goodman, not uh, the character. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, then, then that's fine. I, Actually, I'm, let's I'm with you on that one. Uh, John, if you're listening, uh, please consider this an open invite to come and stay in my doomsday bunker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going like to promote you're... this. Yeah, I, I'm going to make a very, very tailored promotion on social media. <laughs> to just John uh, Goodman. Just, I'll find out his age and the general area he lives in and just keep throwing like dots. Out. Nice. But yeah, as I say, it's, it's in a small space, a very nice small space, but a small space all the same. But I think as well, because you've got, there's, there's a few characters here, it kind of shrinks that space even more. Plus, with the doubt, I think that is set in about whether or not you should ever leave adds that extra element similar to what you were saying in the thing right that they knew that they couldn't leave because they didn't want to spread the thing across the world it's the it's the claustrophobia of other people <laughs> yeah and <laughs> yeah the, in this is like okay well if I this is a horrendous situation which is really claustrophobic but at the same time if I leave there might be aliens that are going to kill me and yeah, I think that just kind of adds adds to the experience. Yeah, because I guess it's um, you're either stuck in there with a murderer, or you're stuck in there forever. Yes, yeah. <laughs> those seem to be the two options, depending on which truth you're buying into at the time. Yeah, it's, and they're both awful. That's, that's very claustrophobic. <laughs> yeah, but it's board games, so you know he cares. I mean, yeah, just because you're claustrophobic doesn't mean you have to be bored. Out of my choices, then, uh, I think number one has to be buried because Ryan Reynolds was literally buried alive. Uh, then I think I have to go the descent, just because the whole spelunking thing. I mean, let's not beat around the bush. Just thinking about that makes me feel claustrophobic. Yep. And then the thing. The thing is still very claustrophobic, but the other two, at least on a personal level, deeply disturb me i like that having to potentially kill your friends who might be alien life forms doesn't deeply disturb you but you know i would rather (laughs) kill my friends if they've been you know taken over by an alien life form than crawl through a 14 inch square tunnel (laughs) let's have that on record there shall we good to know (laughs) good Good to know i just feel like you need to know your place not like (laughs) like I would do the blood test things first. It's not like I'd randomly pull a gun and shoot you just on just, just on, on the, the off chance. chance. <laughs> the thing. I would at least wait for confirmation. But as okay. soon as we had that confirmation, you know, go for it. All but right, if fair. you ever invited me splunking, you're on your own. <laughs> Fuck that shit. I would also rather go to an Antarctic base for the winter. Isn't it always the winter? No, no. Well, uh, you, you've got like the like winter, like the where the snow is worse and you can't get helicopters in and out winter. And then you have the very, very, very cold summer. Like you still have seasons, but they're shit. Like Antarctica is technically a desert. Yeah, yeah, it's the largest desert on Earth. Yeah. Or but, if you're a flat earther, it's it surrounds the Earth and keeps all the water on. Yeah, it's the rim. <laughs> we all know this. That's why it's difficult to uh, go to places when you're in Antarctica, because they're around. You know, the distance is colossal. Just, you're just going and going. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think if I'm being honest with myself, I would rather. I would rather stay in Antarctica for six months than go spelunking for a day. 
That's fair. Yeah. I don't disagree. Yeah. Um, so what, about, uh, what, what of yours? What's your top three? My of your top choices? three. So number one has to be room. I think is is the setting, and then also the knock on impact on on the character of Jack and how his world is is just tiny. Then Moon and Moon for me is absolute isolation of being on the moon plus your whole concept of reality kind of caving in on itself and then 10 Cloverfield Lane because ultimately like you know you are in a very claustrophobic scenario but I guess board games (laughs) yeah keep yourself entertained (laughs) and also despite not necessarily knowing it at the time it kind of is the best place to be at least after you've killed John Goodman yeah yeah I guess it's still claustrophobic but the alternative is an alien toxic death yeah so which is a great like death metal band name it, it must be it's got to be we are alien toxic death this song is called John Goodman's Doomsday Dungeon <laughs> I think I saw them at, uh, download last year <laughs> <laughs> nice, right. So, I like those choices. Those are good, strong, noble choices. What what's our top 3 going to be? Our top 3, and I think Our top 3. I think this is a very easy choice. It goes buried the descent room because and, uh, follow our instagram <laughs> <laughs> and my reasoning behind it is buried is like without a doubt, I don't think any list any claustrophobic movie list or just any <laughs> It just talking about claustrophobia in general, like that is what comes to the top. Um, yeah. I, if it wasn't on your list, it would have been on my list. It is, you know, and as I said, I wanted to talk about Kill Bill 2 for the buried alive scene, and this is that, but stretched over an hour and a half. Um, well, there's even, there's even a scene in The Prestige where someone gets buried alive and you don't see it. You're above ground the whole time. And even that made me feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, it just... It's, uh, uh, and you're right. It's just it's one of those things. Like it's I think as a as a, a human being, like the idea of it is just fucking awful. Then the descent, because I have always been terrified of the idea of like potholing or Sp- anything like that. Spelunking, say spelunking, Greg. You know you want to <laughs> spelunking, but yeah, like the idea of I just it 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 does not make any sense, and it is. A peek behind the curtain, we were discussing a couple of these films ahead of time whilst we were researching, and Ian sent me a photo of someone spelunking, and I I basically had an anxiety attack looking at the photo. It is uh, horrific. Yeah, I'll I'll put the photo on on social media after uh, when we put this online, but... The, the guy, it's not even like an incident. Like, that's when spelunking goes well. Yeah, exactly. That's what they like. It doesn't. It's oh, it's. But like, like I said, like we we haven't even talked about the fact it's a film about monsters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you're right. It, like the more horrifying thing is like is is the idea of going down these like <laughs> birth canals, as you put it earlier. Oh, like it's oh. yeah, fuck that. And then room because the thing that really strikes me about room as i said is like not only is it a small space but it is it's what the space stands for what the space stands for and the fact that it is this kid's entire world which is just so so fucked up um moon moon is a really close fourth for me because of the whole like additional 
shit around like not only being isolated but just losing your sense of reality but yeah for me it goes buried the descent and then room yeah no i I think that's fair i i i was close to wanting to argue 10 cloverfield lane for three but i feel like i morally can't (laughs) no (laughs) um which yeah it's yeah i i mean room three makes sense like you said it's it's claustrophobic watching it like like we kind of said the 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 more you watch it and the more you think about it the smaller everything seems to get Mm -hmm. and yeah it's a beautifully done film but it's it was definitely subject matter for uh good films the uh, good films i wouldn't want to watch again episode yeah and but. i think the difference between room and Clo- 10 cloverfield lane is i think the the space in 10 cloverfield lane is is bigger and you even have like there's if you can get to the door you can see the outside and stuff like that so it's it just makes stuff feel the, a little yeah. bit bigger but it is it, i mean it still it, is it, it, it's the realistic horror of room as well i'm being very careful not to say the room <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's it's the realistic horror of room as well oh, there's like, it's, absolutely you know, cases that like it's it's more it's more monstrous than the fucking evolved cavemen people in the descent absolutely it's, um, yeah, yeah it's fucked up our final top three then of uh kind of most claustrophobic films so three we have room not to be confused with tommy Wiseau's the room let's just you know Again, have that on record I there because like it's you're... us, and I feel like people would just assume. Yeah, I also feel like you're going to hilariously put room in our Instagram top three things, but put a picture of Tommy Wiseau. Oh, I, I probably. <laughs> <laughs> so three room, two the descent, and number one is buried um, because not only is it a film set entirely in a coffin but it's a film where we're forced to acknowledge a world without ryan reynolds so if you agree with our choices or if you think we missed anything out uh you can find us on instagram at the podcast nobody asked for or tweet us at nobody asked for pod with the number four uh, and you can also rate us on apple podcast because algorithms and things like that so i'm gonna go and look for local uh, spelunking clubs yep and um spelunk my heart out <laughs> <laughs>
Spelunking. Spelunk. Lack of spelunking. Spot spelunking. Spelunking. Spelunking in low gravity. I get spelunking. Minorly spelunk. It would be like you were spelunking. Spelunking into this. Spelunking. Spelunking over and over again. Spelunking or spelunking incident up there with spelunking. The spelunking supercut. 10 times your lane. Spelunking. Spelunking? Spelunking. Spelunk. The whole spelunking thing. If you ever invited me spelunking, you're on your own. Go spelunking. Spelunking. Say spelunking, Greb. You know you want to. Spelunking. She's going spelunking again. Spelunk. Ported spelunk. Spelunking. Spelunk your heart out. Spelunking. <laughs> I'm going to say spelunking as often as I can. But why? And that's a spelunk count of... 79. If you include when I said spelunk at the beginning and just then.